Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Tell Me About It with Scroobius Pip and Stuart Whiffin. I'm Scroobius Pip, and this is... Uh, this is Stu Whiffin. There he is. I had to think about that then. You did. You did. It's because I I shortened it from the, what, three episodes ago, I called you Stuart and you got angry, but now it's like you don't even recognise your own name. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish I had like a clapperboard to do a lot of action for this one. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit of a a hunch as to what today's episode's about. Yeah. If you didn't see the title. (laughs) Yeah. If you just blindly just press play on a random podcast. If someone else has started playing this to you, there's a little clue for what's about to come. (laughs) Well, we're talking today about, I say Pip's recent move into acting. It's scary how quickly time moves because I I think, you know, we we even touched upon it on the podcast. It might even mean before we press record about how, how much time you'd spent acting and it was like, oh, I think it's quite a recent thing. But I'm the same. It's yeah. so weird, isn't it? Oh, I, it? It's the same with distraction pieces, the podcast. In my yeah. head, I'm always like, oh, it's been six or seven years, but it's been yeah. six or seven years for ages now. Yeah. And it turns out we're actually about to come around to our 10-year anniversary. Yeah. And, and with acting, I always think four or five years, but yeah. it's, it's it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really nice chat, this. We get to sort of explore... Uh, some of the work that, that that Pip's done today, and and some of the relationships that that that's kind of brought on with some incredible human beings and 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 actors that I'm sure most of you would be very familiar with. And we yeah we we talk about from the very first works right the way up until most recent projects, and it's a lovely little listen. I w- yeah, I wanted to have this in there as a topic because I wanted to get the kind of human and just normal life side of it all yeah. as uh, as weird as that sounds because. There is a lot of that. The, the I think the reason I started acting as late as I did is because I thought it was this alien world that I didn't yeah. have access to. And I wanted to talk about how the, the point I realised it wasn't yeah. is when I suddenly had a career in it, if you know yeah. what I mean, because I went, oh, right, oh, actually, it is an option. And yeah. yeah. And we should also say this is the last episode of, of season one. So so thank you very much for everybody that's listened uh, so far and sent in lovely messages and and such. And if if you've missed any, then I'd urge you to go back. And if this is your first episode that you've you've jumped on board, then you've missed you've missed another four episodes of, of season one. Pip, give them a little snapshot as to what episodes they've missed. Can you do the Top of the Pops music? Or the chart show. So in episode one, the rest of the music over the intro. So episode one was all about my school days. What kind of kid I was at school? Was I a cool kid? Was I a? I think we all know. The yeah, answers you one. can guess, can't you? Then episode two was Dan Lasack. Episode three was playing live. Episode four was divorce. And then here we are on episode five. Should we get well, on with it? Let's get on with it. Let's chat about acting. Action. People, I imagine, probably discovered Scroobius Pip from either your music or your podcast. Was acting ever a consideration in your career prior to those projects? Yeah, yeah. It was right at the front of all of it, I'd say. Yeah, it's weird. The first thing I started to do under the name of Scroobius Pip was shooting a film that I'd I'd written. I was working in HMV. I'd started using the name of Scroobius Pip for the fake battle raps that we'd write and for stenciling and I'd saved up my money again before doing an album really or taking that seriously I'd saved up my money and bought a good quality video camera from a a mutual friend 
Tom Coles, and we talk all the time how that's maybe the worst timed purchase in history because mm-hmm. literally two months later, everything went digital and the quality yeah. went through the roof. So these were like mini DV tapes, but it was a good quality one, but it instantly the value dropped. Everything sure. was so much more affordable, but we started filming a film I'd written on that and that's when the music started to take off right. and we never got around to it. And then there's actually another film that we've fully shot after we'd done the videos for the Distraction Pieces album, me, Tom and Aaron shot a full feature film with Nina Kate as well and a, f- a few other people. And we've just never got round to Or It was kind of a documentary that we made, but yeah, it's complicated. But yeah, so that's kind of always been as much of a focus as anything else. Arguably more. It's just the music happened to take off yeah. and could be done off your own back that bit easier, particularly as MySpace was blowing up and becoming yeah. a thing. Like what y- y- YouTube wasn't huge then. Like MTV was still the main place for music videos or one of the main places. So yeah, it was kind of always there, but everything else got brought into the forefront. I was going to say in the way, but yeah, I've had a fucking amazing career doing amazing stuff. So it's not in the way, but yeah, it was very much always on my mind. There was a little bit of, can I do this? Because more than any of the others, having a stammer, all these other things were things that maybe played on my mind or not having any training in it. Again, rapping, you don't have to have training in. You can't get trained in it. (laughs) And podcasting, you just, you do it. That's the nature of podcasting. Whereas acting felt like it's this thing. But yeah, it was kind of, it was always, it was always at at the back of my mind. It's why it ended up happening. So on the first album, uh, we did like a little skit video with Nick Frost well, and Riz Ahmed. I want to talk about this, right? Because I, I know that you was involved heavily with all the music videos in the lead up yeah, to that. Yeah. But the first time that I remember seeing, and I know that it's weird to separate what you're doing in a music video as not being acting because essentially it is. Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden I see this high fidelity spoof, right? <laughs> yeah. One of my greatest ever, like, yeah. watches that film. Yeah. And there's you directing it? Co-directing it right. with Aaron again. It was with Aaron. That was probably the first thing me and Aaron worked together on, So actually. you're co-directing Nick fucking Frost and co-starring with Nick Frost. I mean, tell me all about that. Yeah, I I, I came up with that idea. And we were doing skits at that point. We'd done the, the fake X Factor audition, which yeah. loads of people still refer to as, I remember, I remember seeing you on X Factor and I was gutted you didn't get through and all that. It's like... Seriously? Yeah, there's loads of people who've, who've said that. <laughs> and, and it's like, no, I'm afraid you don't because that was just clever editing yeah. from Nick through. So we were coming up with these skits and ideas and it was normally me or Dan or, or Nick through. And the high fidelity one, I was like, I've had this idea to pr- promote the, uh, this n- next single. Or album, and yeah, I hit up, up Nick Frost, who I'd got to know because him and Simon were fans of our music and picked one of our songs on, like when they took over on Six Music, and we'd gone to like the Attack the Block premiere and the Paul premiere and, and stuff like that, and they'd become pals. So I was like, right, let's let's get Nick in this. And Riz was a mate who, at that point, had done some acting, but we'd connected over over music and I hit Riz up to be in it as well. Did he stick with it? Ended up doing much? Yeah, he's, he's done all right, old Riz. <laughs> and yeah, we kind of made this thing at Banquet Records in Kingston. Again, it was a, a place that we'd done a load of in-stores at and we said, can we use your st- studio? T- Tom came and filmed it. Again, that must be the first thing that, that Tom filmed, actually. Because I forget that this is all pre-introduction and let them come and all that, which I did with Aaron and Tom all the way through. So... Yeah, and just we hit him up, and we filmed it all, and then we went and had a burger in, in a pub Frost. garden. <laughs> You've got Nick Frost in it. I mean, for those that haven't seen it, I urge you to go and find it on YouTube. You've got <laughs> Nick Frost eating a Cornetto as well. Yep, that was key. Like, I, I wrote that into it. I was like, you've got to be eating a Cornetto. This has got to be part of the Cornetto. What a moment. What a moment. Series. Well, and it, was Nick, it was Nick and Riz, and later down the line, weirdly, Simon and Paddy Considine. They're the four people. I can't remember who said the exact quotes, who said what, but they were the ones, Riz in particular was always like, so when are you doing acting then? Because I was obviously such a nerd for it. Like we'd do music stuff together and all I'd be talking about is a film he's done or yeah. the stuff he's doing or, 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 or wanting to meet his mate, his mate around Creevy who did a who did sh- sh- shifty with him and just being a nerd for it all. But 
it kind of felt like it wasn't an option for some reason f- for so long until it didn't. <laughs> well, well, tell me about the point when you decided that you was done with music. And I know in between being done with music, you messed around with like a little radio show and one of <laughs> fucking Sony Award. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you, and I'm sure it was quite a, a, a statement that you was like, right, I'm going to become an actor now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not. I'm going to walk away from having just released um, your most successful mm-hmm. record with Dan at that yeah. point to to quit when you're winning and then go right. Okay, so I'm doing really well in a ridiculously difficult <laughs> industry to achieve success in. But what's going on over there? I'm just going <laughs> to pop into a radio station with me stammer and and, and take on you know a radio show. And win an award for it. I feel, I feel like I'm blowing smoke up my mate's arse here, but it is, you know, it is keep proud going, to keep to, going. It, it, no, I'm proud to, you know, <laughs> to see these things happen and then go, uh, right, I'm going to go and, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm going to take some time. No, I'm going to become an actor. Mm. And like, again, in another insanely difficult industry. And, and while sort of putting some prep for this together, obviously we've been pals throughout the whole of this journey of, of, of acting. And obviously, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's done that. And then as I was looking for us, bloody, I forgot he'd done that. Holy shit, he'd done that. <laughs> and, and so we, 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 we'll touch on a lot of it. But just tell me about that moment when you just thought, right, um, I'm going to be an actor. It's it's an interesting one because, number one, I think it's kind of backwards engineering maybe on my part that it was a, I'm going to stop music to do acting. Mm-hmm. It was more I, I was done with, I wanted a break from music. Yeah. And I was doing the podcast and then it was the, the choosing to go into acting. And I think there's two things I need to bring up and mention here. Number one is Thou Shout being a success the way it was, was really good good luck for me. Because that was a track, as we discussed before, that sh- shouldn't have been a success. There's no reason for it. We did what we wanted and it worked. And that kind of gave me that, oh, anything's possible kind of thing. And weirdly, another one, I don't generally talk about r- r- relationships at all, particularly past relationships when I'm currently in a relationship. but I was going out with someone for a little period who I'd just watched on TV and that. And then we became friends on the internet and started dating. And as weird as that sounds, that made it feel like a, all right, anyone can do anything then. Sure. <laughs> Literally anyone can do I'm just some weirdo from Essex. I yeah. still live in the same small town I've always lived in. And now I'm in LA going out with someone I've watched on TV. Yeah. There you go. Why do we think that anything isn't possible? Yeah. So I think those two things... As much as Thou Shout isn't even in my top five songs of my own that I'm proud of kind of thing, and as much as that relationship didn't work at all, it's not like it's this this wonderful memory or anything, they were both really important for that kind of, let's just do anything then. And that's why I did like the radio show and the podcast and all these other things. Like, let's try that now, because you can. It's a myth that you can't. And so with the acting... So yeah, Riz had been going on for a while, like when you're going to start tr- trying to act in. And he hooked me up with a meeting with with his manager, who was also, I think, Simon Pegg's m- m- manager. So I had good p- people backing me. And I sat down with her and said, look, I want to get into acting. I want to start at the, the bottom and work my way up. Um, I don't want to trade off my name, so on and so forth. If necessary, I'll go back to David Meads or whatever else. And she was she gave me loads of wonderful advice, but what one of them was she almost patted me on the head and said, "That's adorable, <laughs> but in a hard industry, if you've got any advantages, you fucking take them and you jump sure. on them. If your name is going to get you an audition, it's not a shortcut. If you're shit, 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 shit you won't get the job." Yeah. And again, she said, like, if knowing Simon Pegg is going to get you an audition, or if knowing Riz or whoever else is going to get you an audition then you use that and you do that. So yeah, I kind of went, all right, well, let's... And I said, I I'd had Riz on the podcast at that point. It was after the podcast, he hooked me up with his manager and I had Paddy on around the same time and Paddy was like, yeah, man, just do it. Just just do it. I think you should do it. It sounds great because I was, we'd get off air anytime I had an actor on. I'd be like, I really want to do what you do. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're such an inspiration. So yeah, I was like, right, okay. And it was at that point, so I'd already stopped music, I think, but it was at that point I was like, right, the same as I did with music, weirdly, was I gave myself a year. I quit my job in HMV and I gave myself a year to focus on it. I thought, right, I'll do that with acting because whilst I think you can kind of drift about and do a lot of things, if you want to do something good, you have to focus on it. It's the reason 
was making music for a bit. I quit to focus on it fully for a year and I had an eight-year career. So I was like, all right, I need to, I need to look at this in the, in, the, in the same way. And it's really weird, man, because, again, I was like, sit down and come up with answers. Don't Google how you get into acting or what the roots are. Come up with my, I didn't do that with music. I'll find my own way. So I had the lucky advantage of I've got a Twitter account that's verified and has got a decent amount of followers. So I, so I was like, right, I'll look, I'll look up casting directors of loads of my favourite things. I'll follow them on on Twitter. At that point, if you've got a follow from somebody who's verified, it'd come up with a notification. So basically, I'm fishing. I'm hoping that, that one of them goes, oh shit. I love Scroobius Pip. Yeah. Or I'm familiar with him. I'm hoping that one has some kind of reaction so I can say, can I come and have a, a, a coffee with you? Yeah. And that was it. I'm fishing. And one of the people I looked at, I spent a whole day doing this. And one of the people I was trying to find was a guy called Reg Scout Edgerton, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy film, which had just come out, which was one of my favourites and a load of other stuff. I couldn't find him anywhere. He did The Kingsman as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this guy's doing a lot of stuff. I could s- 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 see myself in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, not in a big role, but I could see myself getting on w- with this guy. I couldn't find him anywhere. I woke up the next morning and I had an email for, from Reg Scout Edgerton. And I was like, how do I know that name? And again, you've got to bear in mind, a day before, I didn't know that name at all. I'd never read it. And by pure chance, he'd emailed me um, because Guy Ritchie was doing a film um, and Guy and one of his writers and producers and friends, Ivan, were fans of my podcast and my music. And they were doing a film that was all medieval and they thought I might be good for a cameo or something in it, which was just mad. And I was like, I replied going, yeah, I'll come and like, it was, all I got was an audition. Again, it wasn't like, would you like a role? It was like, come down and audition. So I went and auditioned. It was like a basement just up from Soho, I think. Like kind of round the back of Tottenham Court Road, kind of virgin megastore mm-hmm. that kind of way and it was in this basement and it was everything as sleazy as you'd imagine except they were lovely people and, yeah. and Reg is lovely and he was great he kind of helped me through it because I was like it's medieval right so so would you like me to do this and speak like he's like nah just talk how you talk that's the appeal it's that you're not because he was saying everyone that's well no that was actually in the second audition but I did an, another one they were saying everyone that was auditioning because it was medieval and it's filming in England, everyone was a stage school kid coming and going, I am here. It is I. Yeah. Whereas I went in and went, I'm here. So I kind of just spoke normally and that yeah. just cut through and felt more real. But so yeah, I did this this audition with Reg and I got offered a part in, in King Arthur. And I was like, man, this is, again, kind of as I've, I lucked out with music, kind of, this is easy. Like yeah. With our shout, we wrote a song, we sent it to one person, it got in the top 40. Yeah. Sweet. I wasn't in in tons of bands or anything else. Yeah. And it was a similar thing here. I was like, all right, well, that was cool. And then I went on set and I worked with Neil Maskell, who became a mate instantly. I, I made a point. He was the first person I was introduced to on set, but it was briefly. He, I'd just arrived and he was passing. And I made a point again and finally going, I just want to apologise if I seem rude because I was just a bit starstruck. Like, I'm a mass- like, I think he's amazing. Yeah. I love the football f- Factory films and Kill List and Utopia, all this kind of thing. It's amazing. And we really hit it off. And then he ended up coming and apologizing to to me later on in the first day because he was like, I was chatting, I'd said all that. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to blow it. He's like, Oh, all right, no, 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 no problem at all. It's nice to me. He's like, Where are you from? What's your accent? Is it Nottingham? Nottingham kind of way? I'm like, No, no, I'm like, I'm Essex. I'm Found rural South London, but I'm Essex, so it's a little bit off this. All right, cool. And he came up to me and I was like, Pip, I just want to apologise. I should have... Obviously, it's South London. Now I'm hearing you properly. I don't know why I thought Nottingham. I didn't mean to to cause any offence. I'm like, it's it's all right, Neil. And Neil, yeah, Neil was one of the best. He gave me a book that's helped me massively called um, Golden Tips for Actors, I think it is. No, Golden Rules of Acting by, um, what's his name? Andy Nyman. Mm. It's just really good basic stuff. Like he, he gave it to me because he was like, nothing in here is actually about acting. It's all about the business. And this is the stuff that you come in, you don't know. So, so yeah, I'm then doing a, a, a Guy Ritchie film with Ch- Charlie Hunnam and loads of amazing people. But you, you did also, I remember, you, you, you went and signed up and went to acting school. No, I did that. 
down the line. Yeah. I did that down the line. So I got my first few gigs. I want to talk about some of them. So yeah. let's, let's maybe work through a yeah, couple. Yeah, we'll come back because, to the um, Would you say, uh, aside from, from uh, King Arthur, I guess, what was, was the Bastard Executioner next? Yeah, so... And again, that was just amazing. At this point, I still didn't have an agent. So how did that come about? So on 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 King Arthur, I hit it off with Charlie Hunnam. Like he, he guy introduced me on the first day. He was like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh we've been listening to, to your music in the makeup trailer this morning. It's, it's wicked." I'm like, "Oh, right, cool." Like, Sons of Anarchy is one of the best shows ever. It's great to meet you. And he was just a really nice, friendly guy. And then. After we'd wrapped, he was out at dinner with Kurt Sutter, who wrote Sons of Anarchy, and he was playing him some of my, of my music. And I don't know this is happening. I'm sitting at home in my living room in Essex, and I get a notification to say, Kurt Sutter has followed you. I'm like, fucking hell. I followed him already. I was like, oh, how do I play this? Shall I send him a DM? And then it said, Kurt Sutter has sent you a DM. I was like, all right, cool. So I open it and he was asking, he was doing a new series and he wanted to know if I'd be interested in doing some music for it. And I replied, I replied, bold as brass, nah, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing music anymore. I'm acting now. But I'd like to be in it. <laughs> I'd like a part. And he was like, fucking, I like you. This is good. So he's like, well, let's have a meeting. And we met up and had coffee next time he was in, in London. And he had this character that, that, that like, it was, Still developing the show at that point is like, I've got this character that I think you'd fit. Um, so I'll keep you in mind and you'll get a message about. So I got an audition and I went and had an audition with Amy Hubbard, who again, even more so, proper took me under a wing. Just prior to this, I guess, I'd hustled a meeting with Shaheen Baig, who does loads of amazing stuff. And so Riz Ahmed introduced me to her. And I'd hustled a meeting with Nina Gold. And the way I did that was I just went, like Nina Gold did Game of Thrones, Star Wars, all sorts of amazing things. So I'd, I'd emailed, I'd looked on her website, I couldn't find a contact. So I just emailed, I BCC'd, and I've told this story before, but I BCC'd info at ninagold.com, nina at ninagold.com, nina.gold at ninagold.com, um, casting at Nina Gold. just guessed every possible combination of what her email could be saying, all right, I used to be a rapper. <laughs> I'm doing acting now. I'd love to have just a meeting. I wanted to get in the room with people because I was really aware that I'm six foot four with a big beard and that's quite different. Mm. So I feel if we've met, then you might get a vibe and go, oh, he'd be good for this or good yeah, for yeah, that. Because yeah, yeah. again, I don't think, as weird as it sounds, I don't think personality wise, <laughs> I seem like a tall person. Does that sound absolutely insane? Do you know what I mean? Like often tall people in films are your big units and it's a fucking tough guy. Yeah, yeah, Whereas I come from like a spoken word background, but I am quite big as well. So it's like I wanted to get in a room and go, here's who I am, rather than them look at a sheet and go... I'm not a a lump with a beard. A six foot four big beard, right. It can only be henchman or whatever else. Like, let's talk. I can can speak as well. Like, that's where I come from. See, I'd hustled a few meetings that way, but I get this audition with with Amy Hubbard, who did like the Lord of the Rings films and stuff like that. She's amazing. And she proper just, again, I was like, let's, before an audition, can I just come in and meet you? And we had a chat and she loved it all. She was like, I can't believe you've not got an agent and you're doing this all off your own back. And she, her and her team really just coached me through my my self-tape because they were like, look, Kurt wants you and we want you, but we need to convince producers. It was like, it was for FX in America. We need to produce convinced the the channel all these things see they coached me through that and I got that but Amy then sat me down and said look you need an agent in this business so she recommended a load of agents and got me interviews with them and I got to go around like the 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 bell of the prom and and meet like three or four different agents and then go I would like to to sign with you. And I signed both independent who are really good and respected agency. And that was one where I met a few agents who were really experienced, but I felt like I had a great meeting with a Paddy Considine's agent. And he was absolutely lovely, but he doesn't take on a lot of people. And my thought was, particularly at that point, Paddy was blowing up. I'm like, well, Paddy's going to be your focus, obviously. And he kind of, he discussed that. He was like, you know, is what it is. And I met, I met with Will and Sarah independent who were, particularly at that point, young 
upcoming casting yeah. agents who I was like, right, so that's in a big company, but you're young and you've not got a huge roster, so you're really going to want me to champion to, yeah. uh, to break through. So, so yeah, and then I went on and did the Bass Executioner. I said that was I'm straight into this TV series. The guy who did Sons of Anarchy, it's his follow up. Stephen Moyer's in it, who's a v- Vampire Bill from True Blood. Yeah. I would repeatedly c- call him Vampire Bill. Um, and who's, loads, who's from Brentwood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a local <laughs> lad. And loads of just amazing people. In, and so, again, I ended up being cut out of the Guy Ritchie film, but mm. the experience was a huge amount. It's weird. I was, I was, I was thinking about this. I reached out to Ch- Charlie Hunnam recently to let him know because I don't think, like, I've talked to Kurt loads about how much he's helped my career. He's been a, a regular kind of confidant and giving me advice and things like that. But Charlie doesn't really know that it could have probably all ended there. I mean, yeah. I don't think it would have. I think I would have hustled, but it was because he went to Kurt and said, "You've got to see this dude that's on this on this film." And again, I didn't make it into the film, so it was a yeah. small role. We just happened to hit it off on set, and I made a good impression in the scenes I had. That yeah, it all it all went from there, and it, and it went straight to the next job. Which, if the timeline that I've got's correct, you're doing Taboo next. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you know, that was you, Nina Gold. That right. came off of that 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 email I sent out, just okay. hustling a meeting. And by chance, I'd had her husband on the podcast recently because he worked for Greenpeace and he had an amazing story. So yeah, I went into this meeting. I was like, yeah, I talked to your husband, and I took some risks in the meeting. I said the things that I like about Greenpeace, and I said the things I'm not sure about Greenpeace, which is a risk when you're talking yeah. about what your husband. And she agreed on them, so I was like. Fucking sweet. I, I, I rolled the dice there. Again, it wasn't... I'm not saying Nina Gold hates Greenpeace in any way. She's Her husband has worked there for years and it's some, they've done some... He, he's done some amazing things and they've done some amazing things. But but yeah, I had something to talk to her about and not just be there going, all right, I'd like a role. And she said, yeah, I've got... I think you, you'd work well in Game of Thrones. She said, something like Space Hounds... And taboo. And I, I later found out that Space Hounds or whatever it was was their code for Star Wars. Oh, okay, <laughs> but they had a kind of yeah a code thing for it. And taboo, I was like, well, I'm up for Star Wars or Game of Thrones. I don't know what that one is. And then they then I got sent through the details that it was written by Stephen Knight off the back of Peaky Blinders. It was produced by Ridley Scott off the back of being Ridley fucking Scott. Starring Tom Hardy, the script that I got sent through, it had Stephen Graham, or the script I saw had Stephen Graham's watermark on it. So I knew Stephen Graham was in it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm up for being in this. This sounds fucking great." Tell me about being on set there. I mean, some of it was filmed literally down the road, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, in Tilbury. Right, in Tilbury, um... the first things were all in London, and me and Davy had DM'd a bit for a while so i'd met stevie on a street in soho i was out the front of a of a, 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 a russell brand gig actually speaking of down the road with my mate kelly marcel who's also been a huge guide in all of the film industry stuff and i was like fucking hell Stephen graham's coming up the street and he walked past i kind of looked and he looked and he walked on then he walked a bit further and then turned around and came back and said sorry mate i just want to say seen you on Soccer AM and me and the missus love your album. And then I just outpoured his entire film career history. I loved you in this. And the last episode of season four of Boardwalk Empire was one of the best speeches in this and just going on and on. So we'd kind of then connected on socials, but didn't know each other well. And then my first day, it's in London. And my guy is like his his right-hand man in there. So I know I'm going to be working with Stevie. And um, I'm in, in the makeup. And he's like, all right, mate. Ah. And he's, he's all excited and friendly. He's like, right. So, so how did, how did we meet? I'm like, well, kind of met on the street. And like, no, our, our characters. And we come up with this whole backstory of how we met. And then we go on set and we're filming. And again, Stevie and Tom, I've got a huge amount of credit to give to. But that scene, I hadn't really prepared anything because I didn't have any dialogue. I'm just there. Stevie and Tom's characters talk yeah and then we move on and he's like right right we wouldn't be standing here in, in silence it's like i'm gonna th- throw some lines at you 
And I'm like, all right, I haven't even particularly figured out what, what my voice is going to be. But yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah, every take we do, as Tom's walking down the, the big steps towards us, for Steve is unaware. We're talking about Tom Hardy here as well, aren't yep. we? Tom Hardy and Stephen Graham. So uh, every time he's coming down the steps, Stephen's throwing a line at me. And it's all about the the brothel that we were in last night. So it's always just some crude question. And if he'd told me this was going to happen, I probably would have overthought it and messed it up. Because he didn't, I came back with some good answers yeah. that got the producer laughing and the, and the director laughing. Because they can all pick it up on the mic. And the one that sticks in my mind is he goes, now, Bill... What I don't get is how do you handle three breasts? And I just paused his bill and went one at a time, boss. And then Tom turned up and then just their conversation started. And that was it. And again, it got, I saw laughs from the, the monitors and things like that. And I honestly think that gave everyone the comfort and faith to give my character more lines and more scenes yeah. and more dialogue. And then me and Stevie were in the car on the, on the way back to hair and makeup. And Hannah is Mrs. And the excitement and happiness he adds that we'd done that. He was like, I knew we'd work well together. I knew, I knew this would be golden. It was, it meant the world because that's someone I absolutely idolise and look up to. And he was so pleased and excited that we'd work together and it clicked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Tom as well. He was another one. So that whole shoot was like going to school every day. Yeah. Because I'd buddied up with Tom. I'd, I knew Tom a little bit through Kelly Marcel, who I mentioned previously. We'd emailed back and forth about script ideas that we wanted to do and, st- and stuff like that. But we weren't tight or anything. Like We knew each other a bit, but by the end of it, we were v- very much tight. And I'd go and watch, I'd just go and stand and watch Stephen Graham and Tom Hardy in any scenes they're doing, even if I'm not in them. If I'm there that day, I'd try and learn off them. And then when Rob Parker joined as well, he kind of became part of our little gang. And the two of us are... are I always remember clearly a scene that we were shooting on the last episode in Cornwall and there was regular bits of just standing around and everyone would go back to their trailers or whatever and me and Rob would just ask Tom and Stevie questions. It's like we've got our teacher there and we'd say, how about this? And how about in this scene? And how about here? And they'd just be so friendly and open, just coaching us as such. And I guess... Which is amazing. Considering who they are, considering Tom Hardy is Tom Hardy and Stevie is Stevie. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, and the relationships with, with, with Tom continue, and, and we'll pick up on that. But I, I think the next project, again, I think you work with Rob on that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Stevie again, and that was on the, the, the British film, Walk Like a Panther. Yeah. Yeah, so I got hit up about that. I'm not sure if that was next. That might have been, Kill Ben Like might have been before that filming-wise. Yeah. But we can, can can come back to that. But yeah, again, 
I mean, that's aside from Stephen uh, uh, and Rob, the cast of that film is ridiculous, mate. It's, the, it's everyone you've ever watched in, on TV and film mm. in British mm. in in recent history. There was so many amazing people on there, um, and yeah, the, that came about. I had a phone call with Dan Kadan, the director, who was a mate of Stevie's. He was like, "Yeah, I've got this blah blah," and he liked me for Terry, a particular character, but that already. Could, cast Terry because Gus Khan had turned up and Gus is rightfully becoming one of the biggest names in film as well because he's just electric and they said alright let's well we really like you both so let's just split the character in two so there became the two Terrys so it's Terry and Terry and it worked perfectly and we got to go and it's it's where I met Gus and he's another one who's just a firm firm friend because as he he will always say we're real and proper <laughs> we were normal you do it is an industry where there's a lot of weirdos yeah so me and Gus would just hang about all the time and improvise a load the the, the biggest problem on Walk Like a Panther was I didn't have enough experience to not l- l- laugh at all Gus's improvisations because so there's a few <laughs> scenes which I'm not sure if they if, if, if they made it in, but I remember there was a scene in the wrestling gym where me and him were looking around for stuff and we were having to improvise. And I just made sure I had my back to the camera most of the time because him, yeah, and everyone else in it were just improvising so much good stuff yeah. that I was just like, I can't handle this. I'd throw a line in every now and then over my shoulder and then be back to to, to looking over here because I'm smirking because he's just, yeah, a master of it. I mean, who's who of British cinema yeah. and wrestling? Dream job, right? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect, right? I was, <laughs> Gutted I didn't get to wrestle, obviously. <laughs> I was watching all their drills and training going, well, it's not really how you do a, <laughs> a collar tie. And, <laughs> and speaking as a, as, as a mate, like, you know, seeing the, the hype around Taboo mm. was obviously huge. That, you know, the, this TV show involved all the aforementioned Stephen Graham, Tom Hardy, Ridley Scott. It was like, this is insane. And, uh, and then to, to, to get to watch that and... I'd be sitting in my front room going, wow, that's Pip. I had loads of people moaning at me at that era because, as you know, I'm not one for hiding my excitement. It blows my mind I get to do any of this shit, so I'd be incredibly excited. And I'd posted loads about taboos coming, blah, blah, and Tom got me to to write a spoken word piece as part of the advertising for it that was originally going to be just kind of a bit of guerrilla advertising, but but then the the BBC really liked it and edited it in with loads of footage and all this. It was amazing. And then the first few episodes came out and people were like, you're barely fucking in it, mate. You're in the background. I'm like, oh, yeah. I ain't give a shit. I, I was, I'm in the background, though. That's, really, yeah. that's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. Obviously, because I'd hyped it so much, a few people were expecting, as Brett always jokes, me to be playing Mr. Taboo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. But, 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 yeah, I was just amazed to be involved. And, again, it, it, there is a lot of pride in it because, as said, as the series goes on, my character's role grows and grows and grows. Sure. And that was because of the impression I was making on on set. That wasn't how the scripts necessarily originally were. Yeah. There was regular things where they were like, oh, this person needs to be killed. It was going to be a, a random kill. I oh, will get Pip to do it. <laughs> so yeah. I was getting loads more kills and loads more, all sorts of stuff, all because of making a good impression on set. And being there and willing to learn and ch- chip in and help. And again, anytime I was wrapped, I was like, I'll hang about it, that's okay. And I'll stay in my costume if I need to, in case you need yeah, me yeah, in a background yeah, yeah. or anything like that. It sounds so tri- triad and needy, but I was just excited to be yeah. part of it. So particularly when it was in, in Tilbury, I said, it's like, I don't want to go home. Yeah, exactly. like, you, like you're filming a TV show here. If I wasn't involved, I'd, l- I'd love to get to come yeah. down and watch. I'm not going to go and s- sit in my own living room. When that was being filmed, I remember it. Someone, someone put on like social media, like on one of our local sort of community groups, was like, Naked Tom Hardy's in Tilbury. And like, and I think there was just this furore of like, someone had found out that Tom Hardy was naked in a marsh in and generally, Tilbury. I was messaging to Tom and a few of our mates about that in a group, a group message recently because I think the anniversary of the filming of it, it came up. So, so it'd come up on someone's history and they posted some pictures or whatever. And I was like, I didn't say it at the time because I didn't know you you lot that well, but the amount of my mum's friends who hit my mum up 
to ask if I had any inside information of where Tom's going to be naked in Tilbury next. And like, thankfully, I'm a very trustworthy person, so I didn't, didn't let anything on, but yeah. And I mean, from, from watching you on the small screen, <laughs> you know, watching your career then grow to, to, to killing Ben like. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed insane. You, you talk about down the road filming that, but this was, I literally went down the road to my local cinema and got to watch you on the big screen. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And, you know, a, a really solid role in it. And I was like, this is this is surreal. I mean, I, I missed the first 10 minutes. I was too busy talking to your dad and brother. I didn't realise the film had started. I just, <laughs> I remember walking in. it was an advert. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. You're right, and obviously your dad and brother being desperate, you know, really, really, you know, polite, and we're like, yeah, 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 being all right, yeah, yeah, you, you being all right, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is mad, isn't it? They're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's been on ten minutes. And I was like, is this it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, sorry, I'm not standing up in the cinema, just standing up, thinking it's away. the trailers. All right, <laughs> lads, everyone, well, <laughs> better sit down and watch it. Well, that was mad because because that all filmed in France, and that whole film was made in like three weeks in France or something like that. Mm. Um, a very small amount of time, but we were f- f- filming in this random t- town in France called M- Mello, a little village that hardly had anything. Like the shops all close, like the shops are only open a few days a week, yeah. and all the, everything cl- cl- closes at like ten. So, so if you're filming late, can't get takeaway, yeah. can't get room service, anything. The guy who ran the hotel we were all in, he serves dinner between <laughs> seven and nine. Take it or leave it. That's when you get it. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. It was so amazingly, yeah, small town. But yeah, as you say, it was a, a decent-sized role with some amazing people on the cast. But I remember getting in one day, again, I was reminded of this because um, I did a post the other day saying, where did you first f- find me as such? Mm-hmm. Was it music, this, this? And, and James Chalmers, who's an actor who was in that, was like, I first found you um, hanging out of, a window of a French mansion falling onto a crash mat <laughs> that was being held by th- th- three runners and the chef. Because <laughs> I got in, I got in one night, and there's this scene where my character has to fall out of a window, and I'm thinking, oh, they must have a stunt team or whatever, and and they're like, so, so have you, you done these stunts before? Like, no. And it turns out I was was doing it, so they had like a thing set up inside for me to practice it. And then I had to go and just hang out of this roof. I messaged you saying, how's it going? And you then sent me something on your phone of about 40 takes of you falling out that window. Yeah, it was, uh, again, the the luck of hitting it off with t- Tom and that in Taboo, his stuntman, J- Jacob, has become a really good friend. So I messaged him saying, all right, mate, I've just got on set and I've got a stunt. Can you give me any advice? And he really did give me some good advice of, fixing your eye line on something, otherwise you overextend your head and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just an afternoon of trying it in, indoors on different as it was getting higher and higher and then just trying it, it outdoors in the rain with, yeah. again, it wasn't, I. the joke was, I looked down, I was like, because we started shooting it just after we'd all stopped for lunch and one of the people holding thing looked exactly like the chef and I was like, You've not got a stuntman, but you've also just got like, anyone who's about holding the, I like holding the crash mats. So yeah, that's and, kind of intense. And 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 the, and the next thing uh, I think, and I've known you, you know, long enough to know, and you, you you've made me laugh many times. But I want to know from doing, you know, lots of very serious roles. I know we we we, we touched on the spoof with Nick Frost very mm. early on, but how did it feel to, uh, you know, be on set with with your mate? Uh, with, 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 with Sarah Pascoe, mm-hmm. uh, who cast you as Robert uh, in uh, the comedy uh, Out of Her Mind. What was that like, doing comedy uh, and essentially working with Sarah? Yeah, it was amazing. Because, again, the thing that's really interesting about the acting side of things, and it's one of the reasons I thought this would be a good topic, is there's so much that goes on that no one else knows about. Mm. And in these six or seven years I've been doing this, the amount of different auditions I've had, either self-tapes or in the room, from comedy to drama, there was a musical, which again, you'll find hilarious, the, the idea of me doing a musical, but just all sorts of different stuff. And that has felt like that has been a bit of an acting class. Again, like we'll get on to acting lessons and stuff. But again, like so it, it felt completely comfortable because some of my favourite auditions have been 
comedy. I, I auditioned for um, a Disney thing. It was the, what were they making? Oh, they were doing the live action Lady and the Tramp. Okay. And I had to audition for being one of the dog catchers, but there's only me in the audition. I have to imagine catching the dog and lifting it and carrying it and all that. And I had a great time with it. I remember I showed it to Brett. I rarely show any of my casting stuff to anyone because I just think, get on with it and send it off and don't overanalyze it. I remember showing that one to Brett because I was proud of it. And he was like, fucking hell, this is (laughs) I really think there's a dog there. It's literally, it's like a five minute video of me catching this dog and wrestling. There's hardly any dialogue because I'm catching a dog. Yeah. And I had to put it in the back of a van and I, I did a thing where I was like, I couldn't open it with my hand, so I opened it with my foot and just doing all this stuff, just all in my st- st- studio at home in Essex, just all for a self-tape. So yeah, a lot of fun. But with that one, it was a, it was a weird b- b- bit of sweet one because I'd auditioned for a far bigger role in Out of Her Mind. So I'd yeah. auditioned to play Sarah's sister's boyfriend. Okay. And it had gone well. And I'd mm. gone, I'd got down to the last like two and I had to have a, ke- a chemistry meet and all that kind of thing. I didn't get that. And I then got this character, Robert. So the first bit of news was like, oh, so this is amazing news. I'm doing yeah. this amazing show, but I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to be in every episode a bit, yeah. had this big role. And then we did the, but still, I'm a pro. I was like, oh, this is a great role. It's really good. So I really prepared it. And then we did the a, a table read. And again, to call back, I lucked out on that because the producers of Out of Her Mind were Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So they turned up at the table read and no one knew they were going to be there. Everyone's intimidated. I see them. We come up, how's it going? Having a good chat. So I'm like, and everyone's like, who's this guy? I'm sure he's not one of the main people because all the main cast around that part of the table, the random dude at the end. But it got to our episode and the scenes I got to do just got such good laughs and was was, was such good fun. It was that realising instantly. It's like, right, no, this is the role I wanted. This is the one I should have been going for. Stephen Graham quoted to me on one of our first days on Taboo, there's no small roles, there's only small actors. And again, approaching every role as if it's the biggest thing in the world. And when I had the directors on the podcast, the Blaine Brothers, they were asking me about, how did you prep for that? Because they remembered the table read clearly. as Because table reads are a bit dry and static. It is everyone just going through the numbers. And then it got to my bit and it got big laughs in the room. I was like, yeah, well, again, on that, I was like, I played it as a drama because if you're not a Jim a Jim Carrey, I think the best humour, let the writing tell the jokes as such. Yeah. I'll play it as if I'm a serious guy who's got a penis that looks like a mouse and this is a very big deal <laughs> yeah. and it means the world to me. And then, yeah, I got to do that with Cariad, who's, yep. again, a mate of, of, of both of us. We've had her on the Pod Bible podcast and other bits. Ridiculously funny woman. And that was mad because she was ri- ridiculously pregnant, yeah. like so pregnant, to the extent that everyone assumes that that was a, f- a fake belly because she's so small, but her pregnancy was huge. So that was weird at points. It was great because it was someone who I'm a big fan of and I can call a friend. It was weird because there's a point where I have to flirt with her by putting my hand on her belly. And it's like, this is your actual belly. It's your actual pregnant belly with your actual baby in it. And your your partner is is the director. Yeah, not weird. <laughs> and I'm just going, yeah. <laughs> just kind of giving her a sexy look and a nod. It's like, oh man, this is so weird. But yeah, absolutely amazing. And that one meant the world when I saw it because I was filming a TV show in Canada at the time. So I watched it on a, a, a snidey VPN. Don't tell anyone. Okay. But I'd not seen the edit. And then they got to the edit and I stammer in it briefly. And it's only a tiny thing, but it meant the world that they'd used an edit where yeah. I stammer rather than all the ones I didn't stammer in. And I spoke to them about it and I emailed them and Sarah about it immediately to say, fuck, this floored me. Because it really got me emotional because I don't think there's ever been a character in a TV show who has a, st- a stammer and there's not some big explained storyline sure. to it and it's this big traumatic thing and so on and so forth. This was just part of it. I stammered. Most people wouldn't notice, but anyone who's got a stammer would notice because of this type of stammer I've got. Because it is kind of a can't think of the a term for it, but it's a, it's like it's a stick on stuff rather than a t- 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 yeah type thing. So because I had that, I was like, yeah, that meant the world that they that they chose to go for that, and and they were like, yeah, it was the best take. It felt real. It felt genuine. It's why I push all the time for 
working with Stammer and not purely to get more work myself, but to have more characters who've got Stammers because it is real. You can't control it. And it's, there's, there's a rawness there that I think could be amazing in drama and comedy and all sorts of things for for cutting through. Absolutely. And and, and I want to do an episode discussing uh, your Stammer and and, and the effect that he's had on your, your whole life, not just, just, uh, you know, your creative output. In regards to the the, the, the creative output, uh, you know, post-filming Out of Her Mind, you're on a roll and then all of a sudden, not just the creative industries, but the world comes to this grinding halt mm. as uh, as the pandemic strikes. And so I'm presuming Pip's going to put his feet up and, and you know, <laughs> do some writing and something. And I get a call and you let me know that you're going to be relocating to Canada. Uh, I don't know how long for, uh, but quite a while, because I've just got a, a part in a new show called Debris. I mean, tell me a little bit more about the experience of, oh, I guess, being on set in Canada, and essentially how different it was having to, because I, I was speaking to you regularly throughout that, 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 that time, and to do anything overseas or to travel let alone be in any kind of busy area must have just been a nightmare what what, what was the whole process like um of, of trying to sort of work during the height of the pandemic oh it was all really weird and all really unexpected so basically we were filming the pilot of debris when the pandemic hit yeah. so i went from filming on a night shoot on the friday night to being on a plane on the, on the Saturday afternoon because they were about to close the borders. So it was kind of madness. I'm back in, this, in the UK and I think, right, that's it. That's not happening. The amount of sh- shows that were long running that were being cancelled because of the pandemic. But then NBC came through and what they'd seen of the pilot, are they liked enough to give us a series. So I was like, all right, I'm back out then. So, But again, it was a different ball game because... I had to have a good think on if I wanted uh, to accept, accept it because they're like, you're going to be out for at least six months. It's, it's going to be over Christmas and New Year. At the moment, you wouldn't be able to come back or have any visitors. And they're like, we hope that will change pandemic-wise because, as you know, at that point, no one really knew what was, was going on. But I thought, well, I think I, sp- I spoke to, 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 to you about it. And I was like, well, this is, is what I'm, I want to do, isn't it? This is it. I need to go and do this. That's kind of how it works. But yeah, it was fucking weird because it was really Canada was really locked down so it was really isolating I was in an Airbnb essentially on my own for seven months and, and th- that was one of the things that I wanted to sort of touch on because so much of what you've discussed previously was sticking around on set forming them relationships yeah. with other people on set you know not showcasing but you know introducing yourself to these people so you know that they get to know you mm. and, and, and realise that you're not just a six foot henchman yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. uh, so did you find that, I'm coming away from the filming aspect of it a little bit, but did you find it tough, like, literally coming off of set and then just being, you know, when you weren't needed on set either, like, spending days in just an Airbnb weeks, away from families, partner? Weeks. I think my longest run was six weeks where I wasn't needed on set. So I'm just in an Airbnb in kind of having to isolate to, or yeah, or pretty much isolate. I didn't go in any, any restaurants or I'd pop into the, the shop with a mask, but that was it couldn't go into any bars, do any socialising. You did go to a sports shop and buy some kettlebells. <laughs> get some kettlebells. <laughs> Please, can, can we talk about this? Because it is a ray of sunshine in a, in a very you know dark time of the pandemic. You, you were one of the first people I told because I knew you'd be so pleased about it. So I'd, the first two weeks or whatever, I'm in complete isolation and yeah. you, you, you literally, you land and you can't leave your, your Airbnb. Yeah. So you've got to get everything delivered. You can't go out of that building. And as you know, I, I like, I think exercise is important. I enjoy exercise. It's good for my mental health and my physical health. But so all this time I'm thinking, I'm looking up, oh, is there gyms? No, I'm not comfortable going to a gym. It's not responsible for the, the, the shoot. So I'm like, I'll get some kettlebells. I'll get some kettlebells in my Airbnb. And I find a place that's about t- t- two kilometres away, maybe two and a half. Right, so almost the first day I'm allowed out, I walk all the way there. I'm like, yep, have you got any? And they didn't have any, and I go up to the the next one on the same street, so about another half a kilometre. And they're like, yeah, we've got some. So I'm like, all right, I'll buy them. So I got like a, I think it was a, a 16 kilogram and a 20 maybe. I'm like, all right, cool. And I take them, I'm like, I've got them in my hands. I'm like, I'll go and get a, an Uber. 
and I get my phone up. And obviously, because I've not been out of my Airbnb, I've been on Wi-Fi the whole time, so I've not set up any kind of or checked to see if I've got any signal or anything else. I didn't have any any 3G or 4G or 5G or anything. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll walk home. So I walked, I walked home two, two and a half, three kilometres, just carrying two kettlebells. <laughs> Took me fucking ages. I had like to stop. H. John Travolta. Yeah, I had to stop numerous times and just have a sit down. Just go, oh, this is a really bit much. Hurts. And I got home and I felt amazing. <laughs> I felt like a hero. I felt like I'd gone to war. I'd got through it. Oh, incredible. So yeah, that was an interesting part. But but what you were saying of it's really interesting what you were saying about not not being able to mix on set anymore and all that. Michael Eckland, who's been in a load of amazing films, he was someone he's probably the closest mate I made on set. He was someone I spoke to most days he lives out there and I still speak to at least every week or two. He was one of the only scenes I shot before the pandemic. So we made that connection because oh, you could yeah. just hang out and could just sit and we really hit it off. I didn't have any scenes with him after the pandemic. He wasn't in it after the pilot, yet that's the person I spoke to most while I was out there. And when we could eat outside, I met up with him two or three times to eat outside yeah. and all that. And that's, yeah, again, I hadn't th- thought about it, it like that, but the closest friend I made was the person I had a scene with prior in the old conditions. But everyone else was like... Working with John Tucker was a big thing for me because I think in the UK, we've got your Tom Hardys and Stephen Grahams. I think Tucker, that stands up to them ability-wise, performance-wise. I think he's amazing, but a lot of people in the UK don't know him as much because he's done a lot of TV shows and stuff that are are primarily out there. His his new film won loads of awards at at Cannes. I've not caught it yet, but... He was someone that, again, pre to the pandemic, yeah. I cornered in the canteen and was like, I just want to say, yeah. Justified is one of my favourite shows ever. Westworld is amazing. You're just... And he gave me some advice off the bat there. It just was really nice. And he's remained, yeah. He was always crazy supportive and, and positive. Okay, well, look, I'm going to start to wrap up this episode, but I'm going to wrap it up in style. Venom, mate. Yeah, it was all right, eh? Back back with your mate Tom Hardy. Yeah. I mean, it don't get any better. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, weirdly, that was shot prior to, I think, Out of Her Mind even. Oh, so really? It was really, it was pre-pandemic and then the world all, all, sh- all sh- shut down. But yeah, that was amazing, man. Like, I was talking to Tom a lot anyway because I'm a big fan of Venom. It's, mm. it's one of my favourite comics and I'm a comic book nerd. So him and Kelly, who wrote it, who's a good friend of mine, would come to me every now and then and just chat. Like not, I'm not, I'm not saying I gave them notes or anything, but when they were discussing problems they were having or where they were hitting, I'd be like, well, how about this, blah, blah, blah. And we'd talk. And then on one of those conversations, and I'm never one to go, hey, give me a role, mate. Yeah. It sort me out. In one of those conversations, Tom was like, oh, oh, we need to get you in this. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm up for that. And Kelly, again, being a writer and producer on it as well, was like, yeah, we've got this one. And I auditioned. And got the role. And that was another amazing one. Like I had two days on set where they didn't get round to using me, but they were maybe my favourite two days on set because I ended up sitting at monitors with Kelly and Tom and Hutch, watching Andy, Andy Circus directing Woody Harrison and Naomi Harris wow. and things like that. So I'm just learning. I'm just like, I'm like, honestly, I won't cause any problem, but if I can just sit here and watch the monitors and hear hear their conversations as they're going, I'll tell you what's not working there. And Tom going on and giving some notes because he was also a producer on this and he did, he did some writing as well. So yeah, ju- just to get to do that. And then then the acting part was a treat on top of that because I got to do a scene a scene with Stevie. Yeah. Again, my pal, and, and another a scene on my own. But that's an interesting one because for that role... Anyone who's seen it will know it's incredibly brief, but I had one-on-one acting lessons leading up to that because I didn't want to let anyone down. I'm like, look at all of this cast. I know I've got like one line and I'm screaming, but I want to make sure that I'm on point. Yeah. And it seems stupid if you you watch it and see how brief it is, but it's like, no, I need to be on point. And so so we were saying, we'll mention acting lessons. I got to a point after Taboo where I'd got a few things and I was like, look, I'm getting by on my own natural ability or whatever yeah. else, but I don't want to coast and I want to get better. So I spoke to Tom Hardy and said, look, 
can you advise me? Because from what Paddy Considine had said and numerous other people I've heard is bad acting lessons will do more damage than good acting lessons will do good, if you know what I mean. I didn't. I, the fact that they were saying the reason you're getting these roles is because you're there's a rawness. Mm. I didn't want to lose that, but I still wanted to get better. So Tom recommended, yeah, an acting class in London. It was a guy who taught him and Michael Fassbender and like loads of amazing people. So yeah, I went along. I found it intimidating. I found it scary, but I got through the first one and that meant I kept going back. And yeah, I was doing them. They were like four hour blocks of an evening in Camden. And yeah, I'd do them. There were every, I think they were every Thursday and it was like a six-week course and then you want to do the intermediate course. It's another six or eight weeks or something like that. And then when I got Venom, I hit him up and said, can I come and just have a chat with you? Like just to have a one-on-one chat and he gave some pointers and some thoughts and some ideas. And the really key part for that one was the week leading up because all the other roles, I don't think I've got that nervous because I prepare like... I like crazy. As we've mentioned, I've got a stammer, so I need to put in a bit of extra work to make sure I'm knowing when I'm going to breathe and when I'm how yeah. I'm going to make sure I'm not going to stammer because if my character hasn't got a stammer in general, I don't want to be messing up takes. But um, yeah, Venom was the first one that I was getting a bit nervous on because again, also it's weirdly more nerve-wracking to have hardly anything to do. Yeah. Because if everyone else is doing these complex things and smashing it and then, then you come on and fluff your one line, it's like... Sorry, guys. Let's start again. Sure. Let's go again. But I listened to a podcast. I listened to um, Andrew Scott on a podcast. who's like in Sherlock and loads of... He was the sexy priest in Fleabag. And he was saying about how you got to remember it's... No, he was doing a big big play at the time and they were talking about the pressures of it. It's like, you got to remember it's called play for a reason. Like We're meant to be enjoying ourselves. We're meant to be going out there and playing. And I heard that at the perfect time to go, right, I've done my prep done too much prep i've had a meeting with my my acting coach about it now just go and enjoy being on set with with kelly marcel and hutch parker and tom hardy and stephen graham and woody house and naomi harris and this endless list andy andy circus all these people just go and enjoy it and i did exactly that and it was fucking great well as great as that is and this may well be your answer but the last question i'll ask pip is like i mean it's been an incredible and, and, and very impressive different path that you've you've chosen and it and it's and it's you know it's it's delivered uh well you've delivered within it casting your mind back over uh the last few years of of, of moving industries into acting what would be your fondest memory to look back on it would be taboo i think because of tom stevie and rob parker because all three of those have become such important people in my life like real friends regardless of, of of work stuff. So just any of the days that the three of us, and again, me and Rob only had a few days on set together. Yeah. But th- those days, all three of us just, yeah. So I'd, yeah, I'd go for them that, if we're going for a specific thing, it'd be on that dock in Cornwall. Yeah. Just us two picking the brains of Tom and Stevie. I've got an amazing photo that I think Tom took of me, him and Stevie. Stevie, Stevie's covered in blood yeah. and, we're, and we're on the boat. And yeah, th- that day. And then weirdly after that, me and Stevie, Stephen Graham and Rob Parker stayed at mine after that. So we all stayed in Cornwall and then we were in, in Tilbury for the next couple of days. So I said, look, just stay at mine. So me and Stevie drove back together. And Cornwall's a fucking long way. Yeah, man. But it meant that we had like an eight-hour chat and it proper just cemented that. Just yeah. we got into some really deep, heavy stuff that I won't repeat on here because it was personal. Some some the dark moments and light moments from from both of our paths and our minds and our histories, and that was fucking beautiful, man. Because again, it that was probably the first point I was able to forget that this is Stephen Graham from This Is England yeah. and from all of these things I adore. That was then just my my pal. So yeah, go with that, I guess. Wonderful. Thanks, Pip. Cheers, mate. And scene. There you go. That was that. Was, <laughs> that was the last episode of the series. Well, I hope you enjoyed this series. It's been a real, real joy to sit and uh, and and just chew the fat with me, mate, and find out 
stuff about him that I didn't know, and it's been it's been lovely. There's going to be more series, and the way that you can you can get involved, you can suggest other ideas. Obviously, you know the five that we've done. Um, we've probably mentioned on on previous episodes some of the other ones that we want to talk about. We, we're going to talk about your stutter, yeah, um, and I think we're going to talk about gigs. Not playing them, but attending but gigs because that was the biggest part of my life for a long time. We m- might talk about speech development records yep. as like running a record label because it's a weird thing. Sage Francis, B. Dolan, Buddy Peace, all mm. people I could talk about for hours on end and have had different roles in my life yeah. in a similar way to Dan Lassat, really. So there's there's more people, there's more subjects, but yeah, we want to hear from podcasting. you guys as well. We podcasting. Talk about podcasting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to talk about there because there's been a whole, you know, era of that and a, a network there as well. Yeah. So it's a it's a whole thing. So yeah, plenty to come in series two. But for now, I want to thank you all for tuning into series one. And as I said, spread the word, push this around in the gap between the series, and uh, and we'll come back with something new soon enough. I'm sure. I'm gonna finish you my own little one. Are you Go ready? On. Hello. That's a wrap. Love it. Sorry.